All right, good morning. Let's come on back. Thank you. So as we uh, get ready to have the sermon this morning, I just want to set the frame for you for where we are with the preaching. We've finished our Advent series, and I, I hope that was an opportunity for you to really experience the heart of Christ as we went through that series. Next Sunday, we're going to restart where we left off in our Letters of John series. So we'll be starting next Sunday with 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. The, the title is Don't Believe Everything You Hear. It's uh, very relevant for the time we live in. Um, but, but as we start the new year, we like to start the year with a message that's sort of a standalone message that's really designed to in, in, encourage you and, and equip you in your relationship with God to help you keep growing so that you can, you can finish the race well. And that's what uh, this morning's message is, is uh, designed to do. And our preacher this morning is going to be Chris Devota. So... Yeah, that's your section over here. Giving out all those $5 bills really worked. That was great. Um, so for those of you who don't know Christo, the, he's the director of our youth ministry, which is called 515. He has an amazing wife, Katie. He has in, amazing children. His daughter, Amalia, is amazing. And I'm sure Stavros, as we get to know him, is going to be amazing too. But I, I want you to know something about Christo. Just this is personal. I love Christo. I really do. And I love his, his deep faith in Christ. But I also, when I'm with Christo, I feel like I experience the warm heart of Christ through him. I, I really do. And, and so as he brings God's word to us this morning, I also want you to know, and, and this is something I also deeply respect about Christo, he's doing this not in his second, but in his third language. And English is no fun to learn. I'm still trying to get literate myself. And so, Krista, we love you and respect you, and we look forward to hearing God's word from you. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. It's so good to be together in the beginning of the year. So, uh, let's jump right into our text this morning. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. So, I'm going to read the text for us this morning. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This is the word of God. So let's pray and ask him to bless the preaching of his word and to open our hearts to the message. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather and to open your word in this first Sunday of the new year. Father, I pray that you will help us to set distractions aside. And Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds will be open to receive the teaching that we have in this text this morning. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome on board to flight 2022. So whether we realize it or not, uh, we're on a journey. And we have just turned the page to the new year and we don't get much of a saying to that. 
time marches on, and before we know it, another year has gone by. It also seems to me that the older I get, the faster it goes, but that's a different topic. The beginning of the new year often motivates us to set new goals and, and resolutions. And I want you to picture this this morning. Imagine that you're in a plane that had just taken off. But here's a surprise. You are the pilot. So the question is, where are you going? Where is the plane headed to? Now, there are countless destinations possible. And as you put your headphones on to connect with the control tower, you're exposed to countless messages that point you to all different directions. That's what it feels like sometimes when we turn on our phones, our TVs, or the radio. We're exposed to countless messages that tell us what we should do, what we shouldn't do, who to listen to, who we shouldn't listen to, how to spend our time, how to spend our money, and how to live our lives. Now, that's always been true, but those messages are more prominent today, and that's mainly thanks to technology. So as I was thinking about the sermon this morning, I thought about Facebook, which has two to three billion active users on a daily basis. On a daily basis. And now Facebook is, also, is free for the users, but it's valued at $911 billion. So where does that money come from? Well, according to what I could dig online, uh, most of the money comes from advertisements. Uh, Facebook makes most of the money for advertising, and people are paying money. As you can see, one of the ads that I got to promote one of the small Facebook pages that, I, uh, that I'm an admin. And people are estimating that we are exposed anywhere from 6,000 to 10,000 ads every single day. And the reality is that we're being bombarded on a daily basis with countless messages. And in the midst of all those messages, sometimes we can lose our sense of direction. But if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you must remember, and we all must remember, that the destination that the believers are looking forward to is the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God, as we see in Hebrews 11. So the question is, how are we going to get there? And the message this morning is the way, is an answer to that question, and the way to be certain that we arrive to our destination is by keeping a firm grip on the gospel, which is our main point for today. So the message of the gospel is not just another message, but it's the most important message in our lives. And we're going to see three points to flesh out the text this morning. Point number one will be the call. Keep a close attention to the message of the gospel. Point number two, the warning. Don't drift away from the gospel. And then the third point, the assurance. The gospel comes from God. So point one, the call. Pay close attention to the message of the gospel. Now, if you want to get somewhere and you're driving that plane, you need some directions. And for us this morning, if you want to get to our destination, the answer is that we must pay close attention to the gospel message. As we see in verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Now, what is this message? First, we must pay attention to what we have heard. What is the message that we have heard? 
So as we begin to study our text, the very first word that we need to notice is that word, therefore. Which means that in order to understand our text this morning, we must first consider what comes before that. Every time we read our Bibles, especially in the New Testament, when we come across this word, we must perceive whether the author is giving us a cue to tell us that what comes next is in, is in conclusion to the argument that he has been developing. So what's in chapter 1? Well, if you look in the subheading, you will see it's titled The Supremacy of God's Son. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 1 is one of the most Christ-exalting, Christ-magnifying chapters in the entire Bible. It declares with absolute certainty the sonship and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And we see his supremacy and his glory in chapter 1 because of two reasons. Number one, the person, who he is. And number two, his work, what he has done. So as we see in chapter 1, Jesus Christ is the son of God. He is the heir of all things whom God created the whole world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is worthy of worship. He is sovereign and has an everlasting dominion over all creation. He is superior to the forefathers, to the prophets, to the angels, and he has made purifications for sins. So chapter 1 really opens by saying and explaining that Jesus Christ is the message of God. And that message is also what we call the gospel. Now, why do we need to pay close attention to the gospel? Well, the answer is because the gospel is the way of salvation. Gospel in Greek means evangelio, which means the good news. It is the good news of the incarnation, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus lived a sinless life and died as a substitute for those who repent of their sins and trust in him. And not only that, but he rose from, from the grave in victory over both sin and death. And he will come back to complete his judgment of sin and the salvation of his people. The gospel is the proclamation that God saves sinners through Christ. It's a message unlike anything else and praise be to God for the gospel. And we need to pay attention to this message because we are saved through the gospel and we're saved by responding to the gospel message. This is the gospel of grace and what comes together with that message is an invitation. And if you're here this morning but you're not a follower of Jesus, well, thank you for being here and choosing to be with us in the first Sunday of the year. But I want to be honest and sincere with you that our greatest desire for you is to hear the gospel and to respond by believing and welcoming the invitation that God has for you. Maybe you thought about God in the past. Maybe you feel comfortable with a bit of Christianity. But we want you to walk out of here this morning, not with a little bit more religion, but with your hearts fully surrendered to Christ and to the message and to the fullness and the richness of the gospel. This is not just something that we want for you. This is something that we strive for ourselves. Now, what does it look like to pay close attention to the gospel, practically speaking? Well, the obvious answer is that we must listen to God's word. We must seek to understand the whole story of the Bible and how it fits together, which is the story of salvation as it is revealed through history. The reality is that no one graduates from the gospel. Whether you were saved a few days ago or a few decades ago, 
it won't change the fact that we must continue to devote ourselves to the gospel. And there's no better way of doing that than being devoted to the word of God. And that's because the Bible can encourage our faith. It can give us the strength to overcome sin in our lives. It can motivate us to make decisions that honor God by teaching us what are the things that God loves and what are the things that God hates. He protects us against the schemes of the enemy and he gives us discernment to detect the truth in a world filled with lies. The Bible helps us to grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ and to keep a firm grip on the gospel so that my, our souls might be revived and satisfied. We should read and study the Bible because it's God's word to us, as we see in 2 Timothy 3.16. It's his very word to us. We should read and study the Bible because God doesn't change and human nature doesn't change which means the message also doesn't change. It is as relevant today as it was when it was written. God's word is so important that Jesus said that we cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So in other words, if we want to live life to the fullest and to get to our destination, as God intended, we must listen to his written word. And we're paying close attention to the gospel by listening to God's word, but also by letting the word rule our lives. It is where doctrine and life meet. What we believe shapes how we live. Theology and life always go together. And the supremacy of Christ in our salvation should compel us to listen and do as the word says. By the way, this is one of our core values as a church. Scripture is the only authoritative standard for all that we think, say, and do. And where can we get this message of salvation? We can't get it on social media. We can't get it by listening to the news. We can get it through God's word. And the reality is that if the scriptures don't inform and shape us, then something else will. I'm reminded of this quote by A.W. Tozer who famously said, Somebody is going to control your mind. Who is it going to be? Is it going to be the advertiser? Is it going to be the public school? Is it going to be the media? Or is it going to be God? You have to make up your mind on that, my friend. Whether you want to or not, somebody is going to control your mind. Who is it going to be? In order to grab our attention and make sure that we get the seriousness of it, the author warns us against a superficial faith. Superficial faith is faith when is simply when we don't listen to God's word or when we listen to God's word but we don't do as the word says. You see, if we don't pay close attention, we're in danger of drifting away. Which brings us to the second point, the warning. Don't drift away from the gospel. You see, if you want to get somewhere, we need to be aware how to get to the destination, but also we need to be aware of the dangers along the way. See, if you're a plane flying, you don't want to fly over a military-restricted area, or you don't want to fly right into the storm. Drifting away from our faith is the greatest danger that we can face, and that can happen slowly. Even if we deviate a little bit at a time, we may soon find ourselves way off course. So as I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking about this illustration with the plane, it helps that 
my father-in-law, he was an air traffic controller and he shared this story with me, which I think really illustrates the point we're trying to make here. I'm reading, he says, I read of an incident in 1979 of an Air New Zealand sightseeing flight that was headed toward the Antar Antarctic. Unknown to them, they were just a degree or two off, maybe because of wind. So as they approached what they thought was the frozen tundra of the Antarctic, they descended below the clouds. Instead of seeing beautiful landscapes below the, below the clouds, the small course deviation took them 28 miles off course and right at Mount Erebus, a 12,500-foot volcano. Sadly, the plane crashed into the side of the volcano, killing all 257 passengers and crew. Now, if that could happen to a plane that's off by a degree, what will happen to us if we drift away from the gospel? I have to admit that my natural inclination is not to drift towards holiness and godliness, but towards temptation and sin. It's not only the dangers and the trials along the way that can steer us off course. Simply do nothing and you will drift away. I want to pause here and I want to emphasize this point. It's tempting to think that drifting away happens when we pursue the world. But what the author is saying here is that to drift away doesn't necessarily require us to pursue the world. Simply stop pursuing God and you will drift away. Don't drift away. That's the warning to the Hebrews and that's the warning to us this morning. This is not just a simple suggestion. It's not just another thought. It's a matter of life and death because your life and your eternity are at stake here. Let's look in verse 2. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. The gospel is true and reliable. Now a question that I get asked all the time is that can we trust the Old Testament? If you begin your new Bible reading plan this year, a lot of people are asking, should I read through the Old Testament? The answer to both of those questions is yes. You see, if you... Look in the text, and the text cross-references Deuteronomy 33.2. It says that we see that it was God who declared the message through the angels. And that message proved to be reliable. And if that was true of the old message, we have a better reason to believe that the gospel is reliable since God declared the gospel through his son. If you glimpse over chapter one, you will notice the numerous Old Testament quotations. What the author is trying to show us is that the son is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies and promises. He's not negating the importance of the Old Testament or the prophets or the angels or the message. Rather, what he's saying is that the message confirms the coming and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is that all things begin to fade compared to Christ. So how do we know that the message was reliable? Well, God said that he will punish every disobedience or transgression. That was a hard-learned lesson for the Jewish people as we read through the Old Testament and also as we see if we read in chapter 3 of the book of Hebrews. It's a sobering reminder that Israel's carelessness towards God received an appropriate punishment. 
And it's also a sobering warning for us and for those who are apathetic and unresponsive to the gospel today. Carelessness towards Christ and our salvation will be much more catastrophic than it was for the Jewish people. See, this is the first warning about ignoring the word of the Son in this letter, but it's not the last. The author is pressing on his audience the seriousness of carelessness towards Christ, since the eternal things that are at stake. The danger is that if we don't pay close attention, we will drift away. And the danger in 2022 is to disregard the seriousness of this message. You see, the law is valid because God did judge and did punish disobedience. And the consequences for being careless towards the gospel are even more serious. They're eternal. Because Jesus Christ is the ultimate revelation with regards to salvation. So the author is saying, don't make the same mistake. There is no escape if we neglect the gospel. The question is rhetorical. The answer is, there is no escape if we neglect the gospel. It is the only way of salvation because it saves us from a great wrath. You see, your employer won't turn a blind eye when you break company policy. The police officer will not let you go free when you go through a red light. The IRS will not let you go free when you break their laws. So why should we expect God to let us escape if we neglect such a great salvation? See, we need to keep a firm grip on the gospel because it is the greatest news and the only way that we can be saved. There is no hope outside of the gospel. We might, we might turn to temporal things for satisfaction, but anything apart from Christ is a false gospel. We might neglect the call and the warning. We might think that we might get away with IRS by just paying the fine or with our employer by quitting and going and finding a different job, but there is no escape from God's wrath for those who ignore the message of salvation. To neglect the gospel shows an unwillingness to listen to God's word. It's a deliberate rejection of his divine will. To neglect the salvation shows contempt for God's word and God will judge it appropriately. And no one will be able to escape judgment outside of Christ. Without the gospel, we can't make it to our destination. The gospel is our only hope. Another one of our core values as a church is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is our central message and only hope. We are created to love God above all things. We are called to be his disciples. We are called to be in fellowship with him. You see, our souls thirst and our souls are hungry, but it's only Jesus that can satisfy the thirst and the hunger of our souls. It's only Jesus that can satisfy our hearts and our lives, and it's only Jesus that can save us from God's wrath. So to recap, the argument is from the lesser to the greater. The Old Testament is good and reliable. It was declared by God through the angels, it was given to Moses, but it resulted to death. Because no one can keep the law perfectly. The New Testament is much better and more reliable because it was delivered to us by someone greater than Moses and greater than the angels. And it's a greater message because it results in life. The entire book of Hebrews is a book of comparison, comparisons and contrasts. The new covenant is seen against 
the backdrop of the Old Testament. And what we have in the New Testament with Jesus Christ is better than what the Old Testament had to offer. It's better than any message. This is the point of the letter, is that if the Old Testament demanded accountability, how much more the message of salvation that was announced by the Lord himself? Which brings us to our third point. The assurance, which is the gospel, comes from God. Verses 3 and 4. It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. See, the author wants, us, wants to affirm the gospel. He wants to encourage us and to give us assurance. Don't miss what he is saying. You can trust this message. And this will encourage us in our journey along the way. You see, the text so far has given us directions how to get to our destination. It has given us some warnings, things to avoid along the way. But now, he wants us to be encouraged. And he wants us to be confident that we can trust this message. And he gives us three reasons why. The first reason the gospel was declared by God himself. We're privileged to be heirs of this greater revelation. Justin preached last week from Haggai 2, and we heard how people had to wait such a long time for the coming of the Messiah. We are privileged to be on this side of the cross and to know that the Messiah did come. But with that privilege comes greater responsibility. There is a greater reward when we're attentive to the message, but there are also dire consequences if we ignore the message. You see, we just celebrate the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is real history, and it really did happen. So take heart this morning that this message was not delivered by angels, was not delivered by prophets, it was delivered by God himself. Therefore, we must bring to mind that the gospel, the person of Jesus Christ, and the message of his salvation is supreme to all things. To pay attention to the gospel is to pay attention to God. And to disregard the message is to disregard God, God himself. Therefore, since the gospel declared by the Lord himself, we must be confident and encouraged to keep firm on the gospel. Reason number two, the gospel was attested by eyewitnesses. By saying attested by those who heard, we presume that the writer wasn't a first-hand witness to the gospel, but he heard it through the apostles and the eyewitnesses of Jesus' ministry. And this is what the New Testament is. It is the testimony of eyewitnesses. The message is reliable. Eyewitnesses saw it and passed it on to others who in turn told others. Someone told them and eventually someone told you. This is why we say that we are witnessing to someone when we share the gospel. You see, the story of the gospel is not secretive or some type of secret religion. The gospel took a place in real time with real people for all people to see. God's plan for the gospel was to spread through the testimony of believers. And we have a responsibility as well to steward the message, and to faithfully proclaim it to others as well. 
But the best witness to the message was not the eyewitnesses. The best witness was God himself. The gospel of Jesus Christ is supernatural and powerful. And God bore witness to it by signs and wonders and various miracles. The purpose of the supernatural events was to authenticate the message. These miracles didn't happen in secret. The miracles and the gift of the Holy Spirit testified publicly that Jesus was not just another teacher. He was not just another prophet. But he was and he is the Savior, the Son, the Christ. So when you think about a sign, what comes to mind? See, if you're driving, a sign gives us directions. It points somewhere. In our case, the signs, the miracles, and the wonders point to Christ and to his message. And so are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They point that Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament and God's final word to humanity. So here is the point. Do you have doubts about the gospel? Now, I know at times we can all struggle. How do we find our way out? The text tells us that this is a trustworthy message. We might have doubts. We might have reasons to experience doubts along the way, especially when things are difficult or when God asks us to do difficult or hard things. But what the author is telling us here is that we have a better reason to trust in the message. You can trust the gospel. Why? Because it was declared by the Lord. It was attested by the eyewitnesses. And God himself bore witness to it. And I don't want us to miss here how the Trinity also comes in view. You see, it was declared by the Lord Jesus. And God and the Holy Spirit bore witness. So I want you to picture this. You're still the pilot. Friends, I don't know what 2022 is going to bring. I pray for good things, but I've learned from experience that there are trials and bumps along the way. So as we go into this new year, whether we go through the dark valleys or the mountaintops, keep a firm grip on the gospel. I want you to picture this, that you put your hands and you keep a firm grip on the gospel. And if trials... And if challenges come along your way, keep a firm grip on the gospel. And if victories and success come along your way, keep a firm grip on the gospel. And if doubts and fears assail you, keep a firm grip on the gospel. And if you go to graduations and weddings and celebrations, keep a firm grip on the gospel. And if temptation and the lure of sin entice you, keep a firm grip on the gospel. No matter the trial, no matter the place, no matter the time, no matter the situation, Keep a firm grip on the gospel. Let's keep the course and fix our eyes on Jesus. How should we respond to this message? There is only one way and there is only one remedy, and that is to give our lives entirely to Jesus. Because he is worthy, and it's only through him that we can make it to our final destination. Not by our performances and not by our efforts, only through Christ. We can't afford to ignore the calling, the, the, the call and the warning. Church, listen up. This is important. It's tempting to think that this message is for those who are outside of the church. But this warning was actually written to people 
inside the church. You see, when we don't pay attention, it's usually because we think it doesn't matter. We hear the gospel, but we don't think much of it. We go to church on Sundays and we celebrate Christmas Eve service and we celebrate the Easter every year, but it never makes a difference. The gospel becomes just noise in the background and gets lost with all the other messages. What the text is telling us is that the gospel is what matters the most. The best, the single best thing that you can do this year and for the rest of your lives and the best thing that you can do for those who you love and for those around you is to continually warm your own heart by the life-giving message of the gospel. Now we do that privately, but we also get to do this together with others. This is why later in chapter three, in the book of Hebrews, he says, exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Every day we get closer to our destination. Let's make sure that we pay the closest attention to the gospel and not miss our way. The text is saying that those who simply have an external outward connection to the gospel are not going to be saved. But to those who hold firm on the gospel, this message is a danger sign that keeps the elect persevering to the end. And so as we begin the new year, let us prioritize reading our Bibles. Let us be faithful in seeking to witness and to proclaim this message with other people. Let us seek to grow. And what a wonderful opportunity to have all these different courses being offered during the winter. Take advantage of the different discipleship courses that the church is offering. Whatever it is, whatever you do, let your priority and your commitment this year be to pay much closer attention in 2022 than you did in 2021. With each day, pay much closer attention to the gospel than the previous day. And remember how glorious it's going to be when we are going to finally arrive to our destination. So as we close here, I want to read a quote by one of my favorite theologians, Martin Lloyd-Jones. And this is what he says. I'm not asking you whether you know things about him, but do you know God? Are you enjoying God? Is God the center of your life, the soul of your being, the source of your greatest joy? He's meant to be. And my question is this. Are you keeping a firm grip on the gospel? You're meant to. Let us close in prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for this message. Thank you so much for the text. Thank you so much that you teach us and you equip us and you direct us and you give us warnings. And thank you that your heart for us is that we make it to the destination and that you travel along the way with us. God, help us to pay close attention to this message and to this warning. And Lord, help us to not take this lightly. And as we head to the new year, Father, we acknowledge we cannot do this on our own. So please give us grace, show us mercy, and help us to stay the course. 
And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.